Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Accumulated resentment. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. We have a seating chart and it is non-negotiable. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Let's hold hands and you have the talking stick. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. What are you guys screaming about up here? It's just running up to a fire with a can of gasoline. It's ridiculous. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about bickering. Oh, bickering. Can we start with the definition of bickering? Please. I hope you have one. I mean, I shouldn't say I hope you have one, because I know you have one. I do. Um, The Cambridge Dictionary says that to bicker is to argue about things that are not important. Ah, good. Right on, Cambridge Dictionary. And I You've got that, it exactly. That's exactly what's so frustrating about it. This It is, by definition, an unproductive exercise. And yet an exercise that my children like to engage in like 36 hours a day. So often. And, and, and so there's, I think there's reasons for this. So we can talk about why kids bicker. Because these are the questions I have. Like, are you supposed to let them bicker or not? Why are they so interested in it in the first place? And, and also maybe why is it so annoying? And like, why, why is it so, so annoying? That you is know? one of my questions. Like, if, or is it is is the real problem only that it really drives us nuts? Like, if we could stop, if I could meditate enough that I could let it roll off my back, would that be a good thing to ignore it? I think the answer is no. But no, we're about to no. find out. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for you to give me <laughs> some guidance here, Amy, because well, I'll tell you, my only solution is to scream at the top of my lungs, "Get away from each other!" So if that's what it says to do, I'm doing awesome. Yeah. No, that feels like that's the only thing you can do, right? Is sort of come in, come in above it. But that's exactly know the what right that... way to say, come in above it, come in hot. Right. Scream so loud, they they can hear you above their own bickering, but that doesn't seem to be, because then you got to turn it up to 12 the next time and then- Right. And then you go to you know, bed with that splitting headache that is just the result of your own shrieking voice bouncing around inside your skull for the entire day. And it, it doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great. No. no you don't well, feel sh- like a real winner in the game of life when you're like, I'm hoarse from screaming at my children all day. So the Chicago Tribune cited a statistic. Lay it on me. That said that siblings, siblings make 700% more negative and controlling comments to one another than they would to their peers. 700%. I mean, I'm surprised it's not 7,000, but yes. (laughs) 
That sounds about right. And and the reason is that they are annoyed by each other, I guess, number, number one. But but number two is that they, they feel safe. So I'm quoting Professor Lori Kramer here. She's the director of the Family Resiliency Center. <laughs> um, professor, we need to check in for a month. Uh, clear your calendar. We're coming. <laughs> Pour some resiliency on me. Pour some resiliency on me. <laughs> on me. In the name of sanity. Yeah. She says that that it's safe that kids do this because it's it's they're safe relationships their siblings they can argue and express their feelings without fear of repercussion right that and that's true and also someone who annoys you in the wild in your day-to-day life you can just leave and go home from but someone who annoys you in your home annoys you all the time right I, I, I will often say to my kids, like, pretend I'm a stranger. Like, and, and I've said something to you, and then you're supposed to look up and say yes pretend or no. Pretend you or don't know you. me. Right. Treat me like a Let's stranger, Let's just go please. with that all day. Yeah. It, so, I mean, I, and I guess that's true in our in our uh, marital relationships, right. too. It's exactly you, the same. You can be, you know, cranky and whatever because... It, it, well, when not. someone annoys you in your real life, you just think about how annoying they are, and then you come and tell your spouse how annoying they are. But when someone's annoying in your house, you have to tell them about it. You have to fix <laughs> you have it. You have no choice. You're like, oh, honey, the way you chew is really about to make me murder you. Let's fix that. But our kids enjoy it, right? Like, I think our kids are like, rear up for a nice afternoon of backseat arguing about how, who's touching me. Mm. Like they kind of enjoy it. Do they it. enjoy I, it? That's an interesting question. I, I, I think they do. They must. I, you wouldn't do it 700% of the time if you didn't enjoy it on some if level, If you didn't right? enjoy it. Um, um, I have another, well, here's, so I've collected sort of the reasons that experts and then kids, kids bicker. So we've done okay. the Lay it on uh, safe relationships thing. Um, Judy Arnell, who works on the Super Nanny show. Okay. She says is she the super nanny? It says that she is, but Joe Frost is a super nanny, so I don't understand. Is this like a, I think there was an American super nanny too. Is this like a blues clues thing that there's more than one Steve? <laughs> Wait, what? Mind blown. What? There were more there's than only one Steve. Oh, and it was Joe. Right. There was more than one man that took care of Blue. <laughs> Blue uh, two owners. Okay. You just, I was like, Steve. whoa, has my whole life been a lie? Is there more than one Steve? No. There is more. I think there's an American super nanny. Okay. Well, this is this is uh, anyway, Judy Arnell. This is some lady who is. claims to know what she's talking about. She's yeah. She definitely totally knows what she's talking about. She says that it is sometimes about what she calls accumulated resentment, which I loved <laughs> that term. I want a T-shirt that says "I suffer from accumulated resentment." Yes, <laughs> it is so true. I am a sufferer, and and, and sometimes I am an is, AR sufferer. That is what it is about. The the other day, my uh, my. Younger two were bickering in the other room. I'm like, what's going on in here? And and my older kid was, you know, she was walking on my back. And like, I, I, you know, I don't know. And she, and my I daughter your, laughed. I love your annoyed kid voice. And, it makes and, me really happy. And and I decided to sort of, you know, soften into this moment. And I said, so you, you seem really upset about this. And he was like, yeah. And I said, I said, are you hurt? Are you actually injured? No, and I said so. So tell me, what are you? What are you so upset about? And he got teary, and he said, "You just, if I did that to her, you'd be so mad." And she did it to me, and you didn't even care. And like, oh, that is one hundred percent true. That is you. He's are- like, let me lay a little accumulated resentment on you, mom. Yeah, and I was. Like, I think my personality might be like eighty percent accumulated resentment. It explains so much about. <laughs> it really does. Everybody, it's I know. what it's all about. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but anyway, when I when but I but how can you accumulate resentment when you're busy telling people what they do wrong all day, every day, as these it, kids are? To there's each no other. need. That's right. You can just you can slough it off. There's no need to accumulate it. <laughs> You can just express it freely as you go. But yeah, this this kid this kid definitely, my middle kid has a little bit of middle kid syndrome and thinks his little sister gets away with bored. things that he couldn't yeah. or wouldn't. And like I said, is totally 100% correct about that. He's and not so, wrong. And so in this, um, in this instance, I was able to head it off at the pass by allowing him to express what he was actually upset about. But of course, that couldn't do that in front of her. It was sort of a quiet moment. It was an opening and I took it. Um, but sometimes things already have already sort of escalated to the point where productive conversation is no longer possible, if you see what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. But here's what's interesting to me is that, so I read these different experts' reasons, and what I wasn't able to find, I kind of went looking for it in, you know, my very brief amount of research in I did Googly for this way. episode. Yes. But I couldn't find an expert saying that the reason kids bicker is is what I always assumed was the reason, which is that they want our attention. Hmm. I didn't find anybody saying that wasn't why it happens, but I wasn't able to find any expert opining saying, obviously they're just doing it to get your attention, mom. They actually didn't didn't say that. So I'm wondering if That's I've had right. it wrong all this time thinking they're just doing it to make me upset. I think maybe it's not about oh, I us. Don't, I, I don't think, that wouldn't be my instinct that they're doing it to make you upset because my kids do it a lot upstairs and I'm over only overhearing it, you know, or that they, I should say not, not that they to make us upset, but that they want our attention and it's a, it's a negative way to get parental attention. But yeah, I think maybe it's about their own dynamic. I think it's probably more about their own dynamic. I mean, I think it's probably more the thing of like, I don't get the sense in my household that it, that it involves me all that much. I think it's more the dynamic between the three of them. And so I have very close space. I have a nine, seven, and five-year-old, now now nine, seven, and six-year-old. You know, they're together a lot. And I will say at nine, seven, and six, I feel like we're in a little bit of a golden moment. Like they're playing really nicely together and they fight a lot. But um, going back to my guru, my sister-in-law, she at, I can't remember what age she started doing it, but I would always hear, hear her say to her kids, you guys work it out. You guys work it out. Figure it out. What's the solution? And then if you can't figure it out, you'll have to forego whatever it is. Like, okay, if you can't figure out how to share the beach towel, we'll just not have the beach towel. You know, it's a lot of, maybe a beach towel is not a good example, but you know what I mean? Like basically she put it back on them a, a lot to work out their own problems. And I think it is a good, good life skill. Again, I always thought my goal was they're just doing it for negative attention. So ignore, ignore, ignore. And then, you know, only step in when the actual fingernails, you know, come out to scratch. But <laughs> but <laughs> coming at it the way your sister-in-law did in that example, I think is the is the better way at it. Can I can I read you some some research? You may, Amy. You may. Some some Canadian research. <laughs> Wait so a these, minute. Wait a minute. You did not disclose this was Canadian research. This is international. We've had I don't need our nanny. neighbors to the north telling me how to raise my children. <laughs> how dare they? <laughs> they think they know everything. So so while well, they examined some sibling pairs between the ages of four and ten. So uh we're you know, we're you're squarely in that range if I'm a little bit out of it. And they found that when parents stepped in during a conflict uh, the negotiations went more smoothly and it didn't escalate to something physical. Okay, that seems obvious. But that when the siblings settled the problems themselves, uh, they were more likely to find a solution to their problem and therefore not have that particular fight again. Yeah. So my sister-in-law is a genius as usual. Well, I think yes. that's right. 
You step in, you're, you step in to mediate, not to solve. They have to resolve it themselves, and that seems pretty tricky to me, but it's actually not good from, from what I'm reading about this stuff. It's like you don't, you don't just let them argue, argue and argue and argue. Well, it's I cut, you choose. Like you come in with the you, – you're the mediator, not the judge. So you come in to say, okay, if you're fighting over who gets the last brownie – you cut, he chooses the side, you know, like you help them find the mediated solution, but you don't cut the brownie and decide who gets which. I like this. You're the mediator, not the judge. I think that's yeah. a, uh, I'm going to put that on my t-shirt with I accumulated like resentment gonna... on the front and then on the back. You're the mediator, not the judge. <laughs> I'm the mediator, not the judge. I'm the mediator. You're right. That's, that is, I think it might be a little bit of the bossy big sister in me in, in examining my own in you, my Amy? bickering. Yes. Never. I, I do think that maybe sometimes I do um, express an opinion on who's right and who's wrong when I step in. It's hard not to sometimes. Sometimes it's glaringly obvious that the person who's poking the other one should stop doing so. But yeah, well, I, I think with the mediator to... example too, it helps you to get, I sometimes do, hey, look at your brother. He's crying. What, do you, what did you do to make him feel that way? Like trying to enter not as, okay, cut it out. You sit there. This is your fault. He should, but he did it first. And just don't go. I wrote an essay a long time ago and it was called toddler justice. And it was like, when you step into a situation and you're like, what's going on? Well, he took my train and I'm like, all right, give the train back. But wait a minute. I was playing with the train and then I put it down for two minutes and then he picked it up. And it's like, wait a minute. Now whose train is it? I've lost myself in toddler justice. Like it, when you, it's <laughs> very hard and kids have such an overdeveloped sense of justice and righteousness. And when you walk in and you're like, I find my nine-year-old all the time, even when he's being completely unreasonable, he's always like, but listen to me, listen to me. Like they have such a strongly developed sense of fairness. And sometimes when you swoop in like the judge, it just gets everybody more upset because it's like, wait, 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 you didn't, otherwise you've got to hear out everybody's argument. And that's why it's like, okay, you guys work it out. I will mediate, but you guys figure out whose turn it is with the train and how you can work it out. Because otherwise I'll just take the train. That's the that's the issue I think is that they are they are so engaged in fairness and somebody's going to be right and somebody's going to be wrong and they have a hard time just like hey can you guys just not touch each other this is going to be a long plane ride if you can't leave each other alone and they but no I need to I need to establish once and for all that I'm right that there were two Steves on Blue Clues or whatever that they that they or that this armrest is be. mine and like and that is that does get a little bit into the attention realm of like they want each other's attention you know they've got that puppy thing of like they're fighting over the armrest I mean my sister and I man we could we could we could make a 6 hour war of the airplane armrest and no one would see it any ground and it would just be like but the second their elbow touches you. It's like, stop touching me, but I'm going to keep my elbow on the armrest and you're going to keep my, and it, it just, it, I'm still at the point where my, my 15 and 13 year olds, they just can't be seated next to each other on a, not on a plane, not on a train, not on a car, not on a star. <laughs> like just, <laughs> nope. And every time it happens and like, I know, I know they can't do this. Why am I letting them do this? They're playing out um, the like Cain and Abel historical dynamic over the airplane seat. It's like, yes, the, it, it goes deep. It goes deep and it goes way back and someone is going to get dominance over that airplane seat. So you're right. The best thing to do is just be like, I'm going to sit between you two. And and we 
So we did an episode about sibling rivalry, which if you're interested in this topic and who isn't, it's episode 16. And we talked more then about the sort of larger dynamic of jealousy in the family. But we um, there's a uh, parenting expert I like. His name is Ron Taffel. And I went to hear him speak. And I asked him about, about the bickering, which was just at its absolute peak in my house. This is probably 10 years ago. So and what said, ages did you think you had peak bickering? Oh, gosh. Like you know, in the sort of five to 10 and right where you are, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we might, I think we might, we're in kind of a golden age because my kids play together really nicely, but I think we're also at peak bickering. Bickering, it occurs to me now that bickering can't really, really get started until your kids are old enough to play in the other room without you with them. So you're not going to have like a a one-year-old and a two-year-old bickering because you're kind of, kind of there. Um, but once they're off on their own in the backyard, right, and they have enough autonomy for uh, disagreements to arise, then then that's that's when it starts. But anyway, he said that kids, because I was sort of like, what should I do? And they won't stop, and it's all day. And he said that they're they're lion cubs. This is their job. This is their work. They have fun doing this, and that the tussling. You know, to to try to stop it from happening is not the goal. The goal is to keep them from hurting each other and to separate when necessary, but to let them do it because it's how they it's how they learn how to have relationships. I think that's really true. And I've often said my youngest is kind of like a cupid doll looking kid. Like she's got a very very cute face and like curly blonde ringlets, and she's. Pretty much everywhere we go, people are like, you're so pretty, you're so adorable. And she's gotten a little bit precious with it. And she's going through a little bit of a talking and baby talk phase, all of which is developmentally appropriate and fine, but also incredibly annoying. And I often say, I'm so glad that she has two older brothers because getting into a habit, which I think it would be hard for me to stop single-handedly, of getting through life by being cute and pretty is not really that winning a mode for a young woman. Yeah. And I think it would be a harder mode for her to stay out of because people just respond to that part of her very, very strongly, the cute part of her. And she kind of can get away with murder with it sometimes because she looks like a little angel doll and she is, she's got a great personality. She's a doll, but she's, I just don't want her to, get in the habit of getting by on her looks. It seems really unappealing to me. But let me tell you who is not susceptible to her cuteness at all. Her two brothers. Yeah. They're not feeling it. And they're definitely not feeling the baby voice. The accumulated resentment. Oh, that my my boys got my daughter too on her on her baby voice, which sometimes wasn't even. I mean, I wasn't even perceiving it, but they were eagle-eyed and you're doing it again. Why are you talking like that? There they are. Yeah. I, I know. And and that is something that I think you also, on the flip side, really have to be aware of. And it's a dynamic that happened in our family. My I was five when my sister was born. And I really, talk about accumulated resentment. I really, I mean, I was five, but I really felt usurped by that baby, you know, as a little kid. And I was really, really mean to my sister for too many years. And it's, I actually like look back on it now. I mean, we've talked about it with bullying and stuff. I look back on it with total regret. Like, I just think it fueled that resentment in me like crazy. And I look back on it. I didn't know any better when I was like five to 10, but I look back and I'm like, wow, I was just consistently like mean and disgusted. 
with her, you know? In general, the bickering is not that big a deal. I think it falls into that category of like not something our parents worried about, not something that people, you know, stress that much about. But I do think if you see a dynamic that is building up, that is like two kids are always after the other, or even one kid is always just hammering one of the other kids, that is something you need to kind of get to the bottom of an address. And my mom, believe me, tried and tried. There's a famous story in our family. I told it at my sister's wedding where I was her maid of honor. So it all worked out totally fine. That we were on a trip out West. We were in an RV driving around the Western United States because apparently my parents were crazy. My mom was just so tired of listening to me at like 11, probably. Just be like, you're so dumb. Why do you talk like that? Just being horrible to my sister. That she said, um, if you can just leave your sister alone for one day, I'm going to get you ice cream at the end of the day. We'll get, go get ice cream. My only job was to stop being annoying to my sister. So at five o'clock at night, I finally like scream at her and say something obnoxious. And my mom says like, okay, forget it. You blew it. No ice cream for you. Like you're, you, you didn't do it. You had one job and you failed. And apparently I had like a giant tantrum during which I kept repeating, I can't believe I was nice to Anne all day for nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Like that totally summed up our relationship. Like I could only be bribed (laughs) to be kind to her. Now I am recreationally nice to my sister and it works out very, very well. But I do think you have to be, I mean, bickering is one thing, but there can develop a dynamic between siblings that is really, um, it's deeper than that. You know, it's really more like bullying and it can be, I mean, I know people as adults who were probably kind of, I don't put myself and my sister in this category, but I do know people who, as adults who were damaged by their siblings. Like they were too, they were really mistreated over long periods of time. It went way beyond bickering. Well, that's, yeah. Well, I mean, that's different. This is, that's different. This is garden variety. We're talking, right. We're not talking about, so like if the bickering starts to become more campaign of terror, you got to jump all over that. Yeah. Well, I think I think this is a good time to take a break because when we get back, I think we should start talking about like what what does work when you decide you need to step in. I think we better do. What are you going to do about it? I agree. All right. We'll be right back after this. We'll be back. Margaret, I've got a go to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? Say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different and fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, guys, we're back. All right, we're back. And now we're back to bickering. If bickering is universal and we're not supposed to never step in. So so Adele Faber, who wrote Siblings Without Rivalry, her point of view (laughs) is that you should, it seems like the right right thing is to step in briefly, right? Step in briefly, mediate, don't judge, as you said, and then step back out. Um, She says, is what you say. Um, You acknowledge both of their points of view. You two both want to hold the puppy. And there's only one puppy, so I have confidence that once you put your heads together, you're going to figure out a solution that's fair. And it's a good example. Off that's much better than my beach towel example. And and let them. Otherwise, let I will saw the out. puppy in half. I'm I'm not you know I'm not sure that 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 doesn't need will to work. Well. I, I mean and that's <laughs> that sounds like it would work, but yeah. <laughs> that's bad advice. That would Scratch only work. that. Don't say the thing about sawing the puppy in half. It would sometimes work, but like, you know, that would only work if you entered in the first 60 seconds of the bickering occurring, which I don't think you're supposed to, I mean, let them, you can't, you can't sort of stop before the puppy is injured. Right. Stop before the puppy's injured. But, but, but once, once we're, once we're yelling and screaming, they're not going to be like, okay, I'm sure that you will work it out in a way that's good for both of you. So right. as you turn your you back, one of them's going to throw right a punch. Time. Yeah. But not, which is, which is neither too late nor too early. Cause I think, I think that's wrong too for, for a parent to be all over like, okay, let's, let's, um, let's hold hands and you have the talking stick and let's, you know, let's work it out. Like right. you need you to the give them a little stick. bit of, but I do think that neglect is good. That is the thing about bickering that is so 
crazy making. Like we have friends who got a dog and I was over visiting for a couple of hours. The kids fought about who was holding and petting and touching the dog and she's doing it wrong with the dog. It was a new dog. So they were, they were working a lot of stuff out. But what's crazy making is that you wake up in the morning and you're like, it's going to be eight hours of the kids fighting over who's touching the dog, who's breaking the rules with the dog, who gets time with the dog. And I think another thing you can do with bickering, and I've done that, this with my kids, is in a quiet time at the end of the day or the beginning of the day, hey guys, we had a pretty rough go with the bicycles yesterday. If we're doing bicycles today, we got to work out some ground rules beforehand and set those parameters really carefully. Every The rules today is that every 10 minutes, it's someone's turn with the dog. And we're not talking about anything else all day that has to do with the dog. Like set some guidelines early. This is, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna do a little sidebar there and say like, if your kids like to bicker, a new pet is the perfect <laughs> is the way to go to bicker about. If you want to hear even more of it, then bring a puppy into a house where there's already lots of kids eager to fight about stupid stuff that you won't believe, right? Like you're petting them. They don't like to touch the ears. They don't like this. <laughs> they're, they're all immediate uh, experts you know, on the Omaha, dog. And more Kingdom. importantly, yeah. experts on what everyone else is doing wrong with the dog. Yes, it has been. I mean, my, our kids love marshmallow, but boy, they love to nitpick about uh, their siblings' marshmallow decisions. And <laughs> it's, it never ends. It Put never it on ends. the list of reasons mm-hmm. we are not getting a dog in my family. Yep. yep. I think that... Um, the incompatible behavior idea is actually pretty useful when it comes to bickering. This was, we talked about it in the last episode, the, um, the article called what, what Shamu taught me, Amy Sutherland. I went, I looked it up because I wanted to properly credit her. Amy Sutherland wrote a great article for the New York times called what Shamu taught me about marriage. And it became a book as well. It's about how animal, the rules of animal behavior apply to humans as well. She has this incompatible behavior example that if if an animal is doing something, the example that's given from the animal world is a crane was landing on this animal trainer's shoulder all the time and he didn't want it to land on his shoulder. So he put out a mat and gave it lots of treats every time it landed on the mat. So the crane wanted to land on the mat more than it wanted to land on his shoulder and it couldn't do both. They're incompatible. So it seems to me with the bickering, what really works if, my, if I know my kids are going to fight about the dog, then I have to create an incompatible behavior so that that can't happen, which is basically, they can't be fighting about the dog if they're not both in the room with the dog. So I have one of them take the dog up to their room. If they're alone, then they can't be bickering about it. They, you know, mm. figure, out, figure out what you can change about the current situation so that the thing that they're fighting about can exist. I will give you an example in our world. Child, parent, child, parent, child is our seating arrangement at church. And, you know, it's like, otherwise churches, he touched me when she's why does she, like, it it just, we just sit between them at church. Just like an elegant dinner party. You really, you really are supposed to divide it up, right? We have a seating chart and it is (laughs) non-negotiable. Yeah, I still think about that. If we go out to dinner or something and, you know, my kids are a lot older, I still think about who's sitting by who and because and, I don't want to hear it. It's not It's not a, that, that I'm, maybe I am babying them a little bit, but I do not want to hear the fighting during dinner. I want to have a nice Yeah, but you said something earlier and I think it needs to be really be underlined. You also, you have a choice 
about whether to ratchet the bickering up or down. And we all make the mistake of ratcheting it up. Mm-hmm. That like the thing of, he touched me, did it, you two stop screaming. You know, it's like, it just goes up, 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 up. My husband and I occasionally do this in five parts. So like the our daughter starts with our son, our other son gets involved, then I start screaming, and then my husband screams over the four of us. And those are the moments where you're like, we have really lost the script in this household. This is actually bonkers. Like... <laughs> We have to come in lower in general. You know, if I walk up and everyone's bickering, if I stand still long enough, they will turn to me. But if I come in and I'm like, hey, guys, what's going on in here? It it immediately starts to shut it down a little bit as opposed to when I go, and I've done it a million times. I go flying up the stairs, stomp, 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 throw open the door. What are you guys screaming about up here? It's just, it's just running up to a fire with a can of gasoline. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I feel like my kids, if they're already yelling at each other, that they would they would so not be able to even know that I was standing in the doorway talking in my best Mr. Rogers voice that they wouldn't even register that I was standing there. But I guess I should try it. I think if you, you may have to walk literally right in between them, but I try. <laughs> We've been having this problem a lot at our dinner table and it's, it's not so much bickering as it is like silliness that gets out of control at dinner. And I'm glad they're having a good time together, but it starts descending pretty quickly into potty humor and then starts really bordering on being disrespectful. So someone introduces the word poop into the conversation at some point, and then it just starts (laughs) spiraling out of control. And when I try to get them back on a topic, it's like, how was your day? My day was poop. Ha! And they all go crazy. And like, it's super annoying. And and I'm of two minds because in some ways, like we're having that lovely laughing table I've always dreamed about, but it only involves swimming the word fart and laughing. Like it's not, it's not quite the dream has gone bad, you know? Right. It's like when not you make the wish from the genie. They give you the wish, but it's got some horrible condition attached. Like you ask to lose weight and your leg falls off, you know? Like it's like it's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> Something that I find during dinner works is um, is just playing music. It doesn't have to be, you know, Taylor Swift. It can be it can be classical music. It can be this. It can be quiet. Just mm. a little quiet music does help. Helps. The, I haven't tried that. I'm going to try that. It helps with the you're chewing too loud. He's kicking me sort of. It just gives them something else to attend to besides their um, accumulated resentments. And yes. <laughs> and their inc- accumulated attempts at humor. Um, oh, right. I, but I do find sometimes I've, in lately, we've been having a couple of dinners where I'm like screaming over everyone and I'm like, be quiet. No more saying poop. And it's like, oh, this is not exactly like, you're not exactly an authority. You're screaming at these kids. And I have started like really just using like hand gestures and stuff. Like I'll put my hand up and it's like, everyone has to quiet down. <laughs> we have to start again. We have at Boy Scouts, you know. So at Boy Scouts, there's a two finger, you know, the Boy Scouts salute, two fingers up. I'm showing you, but it doesn't really work on a podcast. Your first two fingers up and your thumb, it's the Boy Scout salute. You you know what it is. So at our meetings, When the Boy Scouts are out of control, someone puts up the Boy Scout sign and everyone has to put it up and be quiet. That's how you quiet down Boy Scouts. And I'll often say like, okay, Scout fingers up so I know you're listening. And everyone puts their fingers up. And when their fingers are in the air, they know they need to be looking at the teacher and be quiet. It's like dog training, basically. And so we have, we've been teaching the kid, we've been having a couple kids over to play in a little band in our garage 
And I told my husband first thing, I was like, be like, it's rock and roll. They make like the rock and roll sign. And I'm like, rock and roll fingers up means everyone's quiet and looking at the person instructing them on their instrument. Like, and so I've been doing it at the dinner table and it's a lot better than screaming. Your kids are probably too old for it, but I'll put my hand up at the table and I'm like, let's, let me see everybody's hands up. And they put their hands up and everybody's quiet and looking at me. And I'm like, we need to reset our dinner a little bit. We're getting out of control. And I sometimes have to do it three times during the meal, but it's better than screaming at them like, stop saying poop, which is just not, it's just awful. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like this idea. I'm not sure how that would go if I did it in my house. But well, your kids are too old for it probably, yeah. but like well, my also- kids are still, it's one, two, three eyes on me or like, you know, the clapping thing. You clap like that, and then the kids yeah. all repeat it. I used to do that when they were little. It's just anything to stop yelling, right? Just to just to, right, just uh, arrest it. I like I like that idea. Um, yeah, it's like um, it's like the computer's getting fried, and you turn it off for a minute, and you let it reset. And I think it's okay. Maybe I mean I I, I like that idea to kind of come in like I just to be to come at it with a little bit of honesty with them and just say, Hey, I feel like that feel like we're kind of getting out of control here. And I really like to have a nice dinner. So let's just take a moment. And it's a, it's a sort of same team approach instead of, yes. a, you will listen to me. Why do you never listen when I tell you, you have to be quiet that, 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 Hey, who, who wants to hear that? Let's, let's all take a minute. And you're including yourself in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that. and this topic always gives me that, like, uh, I can hear my Irish grandmother being like, you know, when I, when I hear people and I read articles that are like, I never yell at my kids. I just respect them as people. And, you know, we all make decisions together and I'm not the authority over them. Like I, my head explodes, but yeah, never just have for that your own over. sake. If you can find, you are the authority over your kids and you should be the authority over your kids. I am the authority over my kids and I don't need to explain my every decision to them. And I do say, because I said so sometimes, but to stop the constant yelling between all humans in the house, it's sometimes a good idea to find another way to approach it that isn't trying to come in louder than the children. <laughs> Are you ready for some advice that I enjoyed? I'm not sure I agree with it, but the source is so priceless that I have to share it with you. Lisa Welchel. That's a, that's oh a my blast God. from your past. Blair you know from Facts of Life. Blair from the Facts of Life. Oh my God, I loved her so much. I am striked. So again, I'm getting this episode. Wait, listen. Back in my day. Okay, that sound is the oldie locks sound that you just heard that designates that we are saying something that lets you know that we're old. <laughs> right. So <laughs> Facts of Life, Young Children, was a wonderful show that was on when Amy and I were children. It taught us everything we needed to and know. And Blair yeah. Warner was the rich girl at the um, Eastland Academy where they she all was went kind to school. Of like, she was kind of like the Sharpay of the show. You know who yes, Sharpay is? Yes, exactly. Yeah, like, she was the original Sharpay. Yeah. And um, she was beautiful, and I wanted to be her when I grew up. But now she's a super Christian. Now she's a super Christian. And she Christian. blogs. And she, yeah, and so she, and she uh, does parenting advice. So want to hear what she, how she thinks this should go? Okay. She I mean, says. I've always respected Blair Warner. She has two different ideas, both of which I, I loved because, like, they're so crazy they just might work. If your children get into a high decibel argument, transfer it to the backyard, which, again, is like, how does, how does that happen? You have kids screaming at each other, like, okay, we're all going to the backyard. I don't see that happening. But then she says you should make each child stand at opposite ends of the yard and have them yell, I love you, back and forth 20 times. <laughs> oh, Blair, you've lost me. <laughs> I just, I kind of want to go to her house and see that. You got to try that with your kids. Send them out onto Broadway and make them scream, I love you at each other across the, across, send them to either side of the street. I mean, 
they wouldn't do it. They'd run no, away you from would, home you before they do it, them. but they, but it would, it would certainly stop. And the if they tried to talk back to you, be like, Blair Warner told me this is what I was supposed to do and you're doing it. And so it, I think the threat of having to do that might be a useful tactic. I can't imagine. I will say for Blair's it. sake that the phrase, if you want to murder each other, go outside is used in my house with some frequency. We, if they want to play the game called fight. If they want to play the game called fight, any, any, when it gets too crazy, I don't care if it's 13 degrees outside. Out you go, kids. Out you go. All right. So the, her other piece of advice is if your kids are quarreling, Say loudly enough for them to hear, I hope I'm not hearing bickering and fussing. This should stop them immediately because they know your theory. Children fuss because they don't have enough to do. Fighting children should be put to work. And then you have sort of like house chores bonkers, at the ready. Which I love. <laughs> I used to have a manager at a restaurant. I worked at Planet Hollywood. It was like a restaurant chain. I think there's one left, but there used to be, they used to be all over the country. This might even deserve its own old deluxe alert because it was long ago. Back in my day. But I had a manager at Planet Hollywood who was like the evil manager from a movie. And he would, whenever you stood still or if you tried to lean against the wall, you know, if it wasn't busy, he would yell at you, if you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean and make you like clean up some part of the restaurant. <laughs> and um, I still get that phrase in my head. Sometimes like I'll, I'll lean against a wall and like the phrase pops in my head. If you've got time to lean, you've got time to clean. So that might like, be it. If you've got time to fight, you've got time to, what rhymes with fight? If you've got time to bicker, you've got time to pick her up your toys. I like it. If you've got time to bicker, you've got time to pick her up your room. <laughs> Tweet that. Again, that's that's dicey, Blair, but I like it. What's her real name? Lisa. That's Lisa dicey. Welchel. Welchel. This is what my dad used to do. He had this poem, and we consider this poem to be torture, to have to listen to this poem. And whenever we would start fighting, he would recite this poem. And oh he, gosh, once he started brilliant. reciting it, he wouldn't stop until it was done. And I'm going to recite the poem for you now. Are you ready? Yes. I can do a word for word from memory because I heard it a thousand times. Whatever brawls disturb the street... There should be peace at home. Where brothers dwell and sisters meet, quarrels should never come. Birds in their little nests agree. It is a shameful sight for children of one family to fall out and chide and fight. And whenever we got to bickering, my dad would gather us around and recite that poem. And for some reason, it was tortured to us. <laughs> like, we would rather anything happen than having to listen to my dad in his, like, sing-song voice, uh, recite whatever brawls disturb the street. And I looked it up. You have to post it. I looked it up as an adult on Google because, of course, like, there was no Google. Um, and it's like an eight stanza poem. <laughs> I'm like, you could have kept going. <laughs> That's only the you first You didn't know how good stanza. you had it. I had no idea how good I had it. It goes on and on, this thing. Uh, I like I like this idea that that there's something that is going to happen that is you're going to trigger something by fighting yep. that you don't want any part of. Now I'm going to sing "Groove Is in the Heart" the whole yeah, song. Yeah, that that's the thing. Like it's Pavlovian, basically. Like the minute <laughs> they start, you start doing something really annoying. Groove, you singing "Groove Is in the Heart" might really do it. You're putting that on, on opposite sides day. of Broadway to scream "I love you" at each other across six lanes of traffic doesn't work. I would go with "Groove Is in the Heart," Amy. For my teenager, please I videotape say, that when it happens. I'm going to come stand outside your high school, and when you walk out, I'm going to start singing it. <laughs> Groovy in the heart. heart. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely work. I mean, your, your kids would also run away, but, you know, it would work. So mortification is a, is a useful deterrent is what, is what we I seem to be so. finding out. You know, it gets, it, it gets well, that's better. Well, like uh, you, know, 
you see the meme with like my get along shirt and the kids are wearing the same shirt. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then put it on Facebook and then shame them. Yeah. I would skip that phase. Whenever I see those videos where they're like, finally someone disciplining their kid and it's like a kid wearing a sign walking to school. I'm like, "Eh, it does not seem like a good idea to me. (laughs) Accumulated resentments. Yeah. They're accumulating some resentments right now. It, it it gets a little bit better once your kids get older and, you know, cue the sad music, start to have lives outside the house and important relationships outside the family. And, you know, they start to have lives of their own. The, the bickering thing, their, their sibling dynamic is no longer the primary dyad that they're um, engaging with on a daily basis. I'm and so then, glad you said dyad. Yeah, I thought I'd bring it into the But I will say on the other hand... When I first met my husband, he was over at my apartment and my sister was over and we were just all sitting like watching a movie, having dinner or something. I don't even remember what the inciting incident was, but like, I was like, oh yeah, whatever. And my sister was like, yeah, whatever. And we got in a huge fight and one of us stormed out of the room and David still talks about it. He's like, what, what happened? And I'm like, I I don't know. Like the, the fuse is very short, you know, like. You can say one wrong thing to a sibling and it still goes to level 10. Yeah, I guess it, I guess it does. And, that, and that's- The accumulated good. resentments. It's your, it's your safest relationship. There. Yeah. All right, yeah, well, I'm going to make you and your sister go to uh, opposite ends of, of uh, New York City we're, and we're scream I love you. We're going to go to opposite ends times. of Central Park and scream I love you at each other. <laughs> and if that's that it. doesn't work, you can sing Groove is in the Heart to us and we'll, st- <laughs> we'll, we'll beg, we'll beg- to, to get back together. Even that's an old deluxe alert. Back in my day. Yeah. It was in the heart. And I don't know where I pulled that from, but that's like- I know, but too- it, was a, it was a hilarious choice because there was a lot of annoying songs you could have chosen, but for some reason that one, a mom singing that to you has got to be the worst punishment any child could imagine. <laughs> like you're a freshman in high school. No. Horror. Oh. All right. We uh, solved it. We solved it. That's all, that's all you need. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest solve is mediate, don't judge. Yep. I like that. Let the kids work it out as much as possible. And don't add to the craziness by coming in at a higher level than the bickering kids. Yeah. That, it's, that it is okay to come in at an earlier, maybe I'm going to come in earlier than I think I need to mediate, don't judge. I think you guys got this figured out and then, and then leave. Um, and then get out. Yeah. And if all else fails, send them outside. You can skip the, I love you part. That's bonkers, but send them outside. <laughs> all right. That's, that's pretty I think we, I think we figured it out. Does bickering, it's like if a tree falls in the forest, if you can't hear them bickering, is it still bickering? I'm going to say no. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other thing or, or change it up, put on music or you leave the house. Change. All right. We want to know, how do you handle bickering at your house? And there's a bunch of ways you can tell us. You can come to our Facebook page, which is What Fresh Hellcast. You can find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast as well. And of course, we're going to put all the articles and things we talked about today and Margaret's dad's poem on our website, <laughs> oh, which is WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. Yes. If you haven't given us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts yet, please consider doing so. It really helps us find new listeners. And we love hearing from our reviewers. Just the other day on Instagram, somebody said, this is my favorite podcast and I can't, and I was so excited. It was so, it's so nice to hear from people who are enjoying this show. So why haven't you given us a rating or review if you haven't? Come on, moments out of your day. Amy has gone out of her way to leave you detailed instructions on the podcast. That's true on our website. Yeah, it makes it easy. Well, Mm -hmm. It's all right there for you. 
for you. Please, please see Amy's work to fruition and give us a review. And with that, guys, that's Bickering, and we will talk to you next week. (laughs) Bye. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.